that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Hey everybody, this is just a quick intro before we dive into the podcast. I'm recording this in a hotel room in Portland, Oregon, but what you're about to hear actually occurred in Portland, Maine. We've gone from Portland to Portland within the last week or so, and uh, we're having a blast on the Less Is Now tour. We're getting ready to hit a bunch of new cities as well. This week, this Friday, we are going to announce the second leg of the Less Is Now tour. So make sure you're on our email list over at theminimalists.com, and you can check out all those dates. Uh, Real quick, we're headed over to Toronto, Ottawa, Montreal, Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton. So we're we're doing the whole Canada stretch there uh, at the end of the summer. And from there, we're headed over to Philadelphia, Manhattan, Brooklyn. That's two stops in New York City. Uh, Salt Lake City, Denver, Phoenix, Austin, Dallas, Houston, Nashville, Washington, D.C., Atlanta, Tampa, Detroit and Milwaukee. We're headed to 40 cities total. Uh, we're actually we just finished up an event last night in uh, Portland, Oregon. But from there, we're headed over to Grand Rapids, Chicago, Madison, Minneapolis, San Diego, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Indianapolis, Cincinnati, Columbus, and Cleveland. So we're headed to a bunch of cities, a city near you. You can get tickets while they last, uh, while they're still available, over at lessisnow.com. All right, I hope you enjoy this live version of the Minimalist Podcast in Portland, Maine. Stay tuned after the show for some comments and tips from our listeners. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I am Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are the Minimalists. Welcome to a live version of the Minimalist Podcast. We're here here in Portland, Maine on Easter Sunday. Thank you for being here. Hello, Portland. And we have some folks getting ready to ask some questions here. Ryan and I brought some answers. You got, you, did you bring the answers? I thought you brought the answers. Um, Sean. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll wing it, but here we go. Go ahead and give us your name and, uh, and let us know what your question is. Okay. My name is Annie. Thank you guys for coming to Portland, Maine. Yeah, Thank thanks you for being glad here. you're here. Thank you. Um, I have a question. I have two kids, um, a seven-year-old and a four-year-old, and they both have so much stuff and I don't know how to not only just organize it I've gone beyond how to organize it but how to minimalize the stuff in their life without doing it for them since it mean it definitely a lot of their stuff really provides value for them so I don't know if you can talk a little bit about about that Ryan, you don't have kids, so what should she do? I got some great advice. I love giving out advice when I don't have kids. It's really easy, right? Uh, I'm just gonna I'm gonna like tweeze out some stuff from other minimalist parents I know. Uh, Joshua Becker. Um, for anyone who hasn't read Clutter Free with Kids, it's a great book um, about this topic exactly. But the one thing he says in that book that really stands out to me is that. He says, you know, our kids are watching us. And I think that that is really where, you know, they're going to pick up uh, their habits from. 
and I, so I, I think, uh, again, not having any kids, that makes sense. Um, <laughs> but no, but, but you know, I, I, think that, I think that is true, though. I know that I, I still watch my parents. Um, in fact, I was talking to my mother earlier today, and I was uh, you know, trying to explain to her how all of us kids look up to her, and if she could um, be happy, then that's going to make us happy. And uh, I'm not going to go into depth with that private conversation, but, but it's true. I still do that today at, at, at 35 years old. I almost said 30. I don't even know why. <laughs> 30 at heart. But, you know, the other thing, too, is that as a parent, you get to set boundaries for your kids. You don't want to make them ascetics. Like, you don't want to deprive them. Minimalism is not about deprivation. Uh, but you certainly get to set boundaries. Um, I had a... Uh, it was actually someone at our event... I want to say it was Pittsburgh, um, just a few nights ago. And they came up and they were talking about how they had this uh, toy chest from when they were a kid. It was like the sentimental item that they had. They loved it. And when she was growing up, they could fill only that toy chest. And that was it. So they'd get all the toy, but as soon as that lid couldn't close, they had to, they had to, they had to get rid of something. Yeah. And she's passed this down onto her kids and now this is her kid's rule. So I don't know what boundaries would work for, you know, you and your family. Um, I, I don't know if you have a partner or not, but certainly you need to get everyone on board first. Um, but I thought that was a really good idea. And I yeah. think you could set other boundaries like that that would help at least cut down on, on the clutter. I'm sure, I'm sure you get a lot of gifts uh, g given to you too. Well, let, let me ask kids. you that. The, so, how many? Uh, so, so, how much stuff do they have? You so say they have a lot of stuff, and it sounds. It yeah. sounds to me like I can just hear from from your tone. It's it can be a bit overwhelming. Well, it's. Uh, I don't know where it all comes from. It just like appears. It's there's so many Legos and blocks and um, drawings. So many drawings that all. Yeah. And I like your um, when you're talking about your mom boxing up your first grade and your second grade. I. I am kind of that mom. I have. I don't think I've ever thrown away any of their stuff because I don't know what they will want to then see in the future. So maybe okay. that's kind of a thing too. But yeah. So, so the first question I would ask you to ask yourself, or just the question I would ask you, would be, why do they have so much stuff? And and right now that's not really clear. But that why is is really important because we tend to have so much stuff because as Ryan said when he was giving a talk earlier that's what we're supposed to do we're you know we're supposed to even you know the average kid in this country has 238 toys but plays with 12 daily and, and so when you realize that the math just doesn't add up it's going to to take you an entire month to play with all your toys and then oh by the way you realize that a month goes by and what percentage of those toys haven't been played with right. at all and so I would I would find some strategies that work for you Ryan mentioned a few but there are a few rules that you can set up and, and rules that I've set up that have worked well for me uh, the first one that you could you can try when you're trying to if you're trying to pare down and figure out what are the toys they're playing with or as adults, we just say, what adds value, right? By the way, we have a drinking game on the podcast, so hopefully everyone just took a shot right now. Um, adds value. <laughs> but, but what are they playing with? What toys add value to them, right? And, and what you could do is you, you, can, you can set up a couple different boxes, and you have one box with the toy. You, you, when, you're, when you're forcing them, and I say that you know, as nicely as I can, but basically we have to force our kids by telling them and showing them what to do. Uh -huh. But you can put the toys, here's the box after you're done playing with it. And then here's the other box or, 
or trunk or crate or whatever has the other toys that have not been played with. And over the course of time, call it a week, call it a month, you, you can show them, you know you haven't played with any of these toys over, over that, that time period. Also, when you're bringing new toys in or they're bringing new toys in, because you're saying, I don't know how it shows up. Here, <laughs> I totally get it. I understand. But here's the good news. The toys don't just manifest. And so they, they uh, it'd be a lot cheaper it's, if they did. Seems like they do, though. Um, but I know it does seem that way, and, and then it becomes overwhelming, and, and it's hard to deal with. But as new toys, as they want new toys, basically, you know, the question is always that I ask Ella is, is uh, I mean, and she's three, so she doesn't totally get it yet. But I ask her, how are we going to afford it? And, and that at least gets her thinking about it. Like, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. And when I say afford it, I don't just mean the price tag, right? Because she doesn't understand currency yet. But I, I, I say, how are we going to afford the space that it takes up? Where are you going to put that? And she doesn't have answers to all of these questions yet. But it's, it's sparking the idea of, oh, yeah, anytime I want something, Josh is going to start asking me all of these questions, right? <laughs> and I think, I think those questions are really important because it does create a dialogue. And it, it's not easy. It's certainly not easy for me to talk to Ella. She's three. I'm, I'm trying to, you know, I, I can't just say, well, we're minimalists. And <laughs> I, I, I told her this about six months ago. And she said, what's a minimal la 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 list? <laughs> and, and that's a difficult conversation to have with a three-year-old, I, I found out. <laughs> Be, because you know, I've got my little stock phrase answer, right? I'm like, minimalism is the thing that gets us past the things. And the problem is she doesn't understand what a homonym is. And so then I'm like digressing to explain homonyms and currency and it's just, it doesn't work. And so what I fa found is that I will ask her questions and, and that's the best way for me to have a conversation with her. Yeah. Uh, there are other rules that you can set up as well. When something comes in, you can have the the one in, one out rule. I mean, if you're overwhelmed with stuff, it could be one in, ten out. I also have a donation box set up um, uh, at the front of the house. And, and we, with Ella, we have developed the habit, not by telling her need, she needs to donate anything. We don't tell her that. What we do is we show her every time we put something in the donation box. Or we'll ask her to put our thing in the donation box. I'm no longer wearing this shirt, Ella. Would you please go put this in a donation box so that on the first of the month we can take it over to the donation warehouse and and let someone else use that thing? And then eventually she, she caught on after a while and said, hey, can I donate this toy so some other kid can use it? I remember the first time she said it, I was like just so proud of that. And she's taking it a bit far now. She sometimes like tries to donate the broccoli that's on her plate. <laughs> But um, I think if you set up some of those rules and some of those habits, it's, it's like a dial when you're turning the volume up or down on something. I wouldn't try to make a draconian, we're going to get rid of half of your toys today. No, it's really about establishing those new habits. Thank you. I'm going to add one thing about the pictures, because there's another parent who, this is really what I do. I just steal other parents' advice and pass it on. I appreciate it. But it's that. good stuff. So she was- you're, uh, you're a curator of parental advice. Exactly. <laughs> um, but no, she was telling me how when her five-year-old will come home with like a piece of art that they've done, or, or like a drawing, and they're like, oh, can we put this on the fridge? And uh, she's like, you know, first off, I hate telling my kids no. So, like, I will find ways to tell them yes as much as possible. And she's like, yeah, of course we can go put that on the fridge. So then they'll walk over and, like, the fridge is already covered in pictures. So she'll say, okay, which one do you want to uh, get rid of now? 
And so she will pick her least favorite one, she puts it in the trash, then she brings her picture over, and then they put that new one up on the fridge. So I, I think, again, there are just different ways yeah. that you can kind of instill that into your kids. Oh, I'll, I'll add on top of that now. <laughs> um, I fucking hate refrigerator magnets. <laughs> and, and, and so, <laughs> but we have one. We have one re uh, refrigerator magnet because it's not just about me, right? It's about we. But in, in order for them to appreciate, I mean, yeah, Bex knows, my partner knows that, that yeah, I don't want stuff on the fridge. But I also know that Ella gets tremendous value from displaying it. And I'm also not trying to deprive her. So I respect and appreciate that. And so whenever she brings something home, she wants to display on the fridge. She knows she has to make that choice where it's not she has to choose which one. She knows there's one thing up there and that has to go if she wants the new thing to go up on the fridge. And so that's one of the rules I have. Thank you. And I'm going to, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks you for the question. The Thanks mic. for being first. How's it going, guys? Howdy. Good, man. How about What's yourself? What's your name? Good. My name is Jake. I'm from Southern Maine. Cool. I got a kind of a weird question. So what do you do at Christmas time or like birthdays when people want to get you stuff? How do you get them on board? Yeah. You, you want to go first? I'll go first. Go for it. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think when it comes to Christmas and birthdays, so would it, this is April? It is still April. in April? Yes. Like now is the time to start talking to your friends and family about Christmas. It's not in October or November when they've already probably bought a bunch of Christmas presents. It's, it's setting that expectation up front. And it's going back to that philosophy that that, that that parent was talking about, about not, you know, being able to say yes as much as possible. So it's not you go to your friends and you're like, bah humbug. <laughs> I don't want to celebrate Christmas anymore. I'm a minimalist. You know, instead, it's more about going to them and saying, you know, hey, I am trying to keep my life as clutter-free as possible. And I know that you love me, and I know that you want me to be happy, so I know that you're going to support me on this. And at Christmas time, I would love to exchange some gifts with you, but let's try something different this year. Let's do experiences, or let's just do consumables, or I got to replace my refrigerator. Give me some Best Buy gift cards, like whatever it may be. But start setting that expectation now and keep reiterating it. Aren't you excited? Oh, I can't wait to see what experience you're going to get me. Right. And keep plant and keep you plant that seed and you keep growing it. So by the time it gets to Christmas, you've already. And your, people are still going to get you stuff, but it cuts down dramatically. Because right. I have four crock pots from Christmas. I'm like, what do I even do? I don't... <laughs> Dude, you you like start a catering business. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a good cook, believe me. You wouldn't want that. Yeah, at my wedding, I had three toasters. Yeah. And I don't eat bread. <laughs> and, and I mean, th th that is sort of like a metaphor for consumerism right there, right? I mean, consumerism is letting corporations dictate your values instead of you determining what your values are. And uh, we, we've been publishing this short animated series called Simples. Has anyone here seen it at all? It's like a, a four-part video series, and it's animated. They're, they're really short, but uh, a lot of people have been sharing it around because they're these like little 
pithy videos that that have you know a little a little moral or or like a little fable basically. But the the fourth one, the final one in the series, is about love not being a transaction. And and I, I think we we often get confused, right? We we're we're told that one of our love languages is gift giving. I think that's like saying uh, that pig Latin is a romance language. <laughs> I think the truth is that, that we all, that, that the gift giving isn't the love language. Contribution is the love language, love language. And we want to figure out what's the best way that we can contribute to the people in our lives. Sometimes that can be through a physical item. And because of that, I try to avoid obligatory gift-giving days. Well, it's December 25th. Here, I got you this pair of boots, even though you needed them in October. Well, that means I deprived you for two months for, for, for these boots if I really wanted to get them for you. And it also doesn't mean I love you. It means I think, you know, Ryan, I got you these concert tickets, and today is April 16th. Well, well, well that's a bad example because it's a holiday today. Uh, today's April 17th, and I, I got you... I got you these concert tickets, and he, he might be like, well, why'd you get them for me? Well, because I thought you'd find value in it, right? Well, is today uh, some sort of weird holiday, or uh, is it Sweetest Day? Because Ryan and I get stuff for each other all the time on Sweetest Day. Um, no, no, and so what, what, I'll, what I'll do is I'll give just because it's any day, because that's a better time because you don't feel the obligation. So that threshold, the, the, the sort of barrier for the burden of proof is way lower. And, and so I'll still give gifts on holidays, but as Ryan said, I will, I will gift experiences or consumables and I will, I'll go out of my way all other days of the year to make sure I'm giving you the right kind of gift as well. Presence is the best present. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thanks, brother. Thank you, man. Howdy. All right, here's what we're going to do. These three people here are here in line right now. We will go in-depth with their answers. And after them, if we can get like at least five people, we'll do five people to line up for the lightning round where you can ask like a rapid-fire question. And Ryan and I will try to give you a less than 140-character response. And we've been battling back and forth the last few nights. And uh, we're tied up right now, I believe. So you in Portland, Maine, can be the tiebreaker of us winning the... Uh, I like to think of it as a rap battle without rapping. So that's where we're going. Howdy, what's your name? Hi, I'm Leah. Um, sorry, I'm a little nervous. I'm not used to a microphone. <laughs> that's all right. I'm nervous too. It's okay. Um, so I'm from New York, and I moved here, oh, last July, um, because I actually kind of took your words to heart from your books and left my job, um, which sounded crazy to a lot of people I know, except my family. They were really supportive of it. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah, it was awesome. So I left my crazy job of 60 hours a week. I traveled six months of the year. It was awful. Um, Sorry, former employer bosses who might be listening. <laughs> I was really unhappy, and um, that's okay. It doesn't mean it's, yeah. a, it's a necessarily you know a bad or evil job. It just didn't align with the person you wanted to be. Exactly. So I convinced my partner that we were going to move here, um, and we did. And what 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 about Portland drew you here? It's an awesome town, by the way. That's why it's yeah, it's the smallest awesome. town of our whole tour. We just really wanted to make it back because last time we came here in 2014, it was it was killer. 
I had a three-day weekend three years ago, and I was like, where can I go on a really, I didn't drive at the time, so like, where can I go without a car? So I took the train here for three days. I was totally alone by myself, and I came here, and I'm not kidding, the person, my tour guide on the boat here, like doing the mail run, was like, hey, I'll show you around. Want to come to a barbecue? And I was like, I love this place. So that's why Portland, Maine is awesome. Because people are awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. That person's now one of my closest friends. And I'm really happy to live here. <laughs> so that's how I ended up here. Um, but the cost of living is a lot lower. Um, it also, and being on that journey of like leaving the job, it was what's next, which brings up my question to you, which is when you're on that path of figuring out what you're passionate about, and it comes with its own stumbling blocks of like, oh, okay, I'm gonna try this out or that out. I kind of wondered, and this was the gap in your story for me, of like, how did you manage like trying out some things? Like, Josh, how'd you figure out you're gonna say like, I'm really a writer, and like owning that? How did you figure out like, beyond starting your blog and writing your words and just getting out there and sharing your words like this is who I am and owning that identity and feeling confident stepping out there with it. I think it's easier in, in retrospect to, to sort of look back and say, here's the narrative overlay of my life. You're absolutely right. But I can tell you, like, we were just having a conversation today before before this event. So we're, we're filming some stuff right now. H have any of you seen our documentary called Minimalism? <laughs> look at that. Look at that. Well, uh, you all can thank this handsome gentleman over here, the Italian stallion, Matt Diavella. <laughs> And uh, he, he, so he made this documentary with us. And when I say with us, I mean he pretty much made it. And um, uh, he's just such a talented filmmaker. But we spent so much time on the road, and we had no idea really where we were going with it exactly. In fact, uh, this is our fourth event on the Less Is Now tour. And we've, we've recorded all four of them. And we're not really sure what we're going to do with it. And I say all that to say, uh, I like to turn the noun into a verb. You asked me, how did I know to say I was a writer? I didn't, and I still don't. And, and the, the truth is, I'm really passionate about writing. And, and I'm not passionate about being a, a writer. I'm passionate about the actual activity. And I know with Matt, and we also have Conrad over here. Let's, he's here filming as well. Let's give him a round of applause. Conrad is a crazy talented filmmaker, and we are just so lucky to have both these these guys on the on the road with us for this. But um, what what I've what I've learned is that it's about doing these actions. And you know what? That documentary is 79 minutes long, but we had over 2,000 hours worth of footage. So there's 1,999 hours out there somewhere that never got used. And it was much more about doing the work. And then once you do it, you'll figure out like there are pieces that work, but most of it doesn't work. And so the key then is drudging through the drudgery and being willing to get to the other side of it. and and they may seem like failures at the time. And by definition, they are. But all of my successes are birthed out of a million little failures. 
Yeah, I would say don't don't stress yourself out too much about finding out what your passion and what your passion is cuz I know you probably want to like change the world. Who doesn't? Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I would say you know, and maybe you're at this point, but if the only person that you change your entire life is yourself, like that's okay. And you know, maybe right now your purpose is not you, but any of you, like maybe your purpose is to like pay off your debt or maybe it's to take care of your sick grandmother, whatever it may be. Like it's okay to have those small purposes. I think when it comes to passion, like for me, I'm passionate about a lot of things. Uh, I love to snowboard. I love to longboard. Pretty much anything with board on it I like to do, except waterboarding. <laughs> But, but, uh, have you my, tried it? <laughs> it's none of your business. <laughs> but, but, but what I'm saying is, is that those aren't changing the world. I mean, and this is great, and this is my passion, don't get me wrong. But when, when I can not be on tour and get to the top of a mountain and go to, and, you know, go down some awesome runs, like, that makes me feel so good. Makes me feel almost as good as like this makes me feel. But, but my point is, is that you don't, you, you're not born to do one thing. There isn't one thing out there that you were born to do. I mean, really the only way you can, you know, figure out what your passions are is by trying out some stuff. And you can't try it all, all out at once. It's not like I did all those things at once. Like right now, I, I, I have a snowboard, I got a, a mountain bike, longboard, and I use all those things. And you know what, I live in Missoula, Montana. Which by the way, has anyone here been to Missoula, Montana? Is, is Portland, is, is, cause Portland reminds me of Missoula a little bit. Does, it, does did Missoula remind you of Portland at all? No? It's like, it's like a very big small town. <laughs> yeah, anyway. That's what it feels like to I me. Was just, I was just wondering. Um, but I live in Missoula, Montana. I wanna fly fish. Like I really wanna go, fly. I really wanna pick up that hobby. But like I'm all, I already have so many different passions in my life, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that because I know how hard it is for me during winter to get up in the mountain, how hard it is for me to get up in the mountains with my mountain bike and uh, longboard's pretty easy because like I can just kind of skate around, go to work and stuff. But, but uh, I know that if I picked up that fly fishing hobby that I, would ha I wouldn't even have time to turn it into a passion. Now, maybe one day I'm gonna wake up when I'm like 60 years old and I'm like, man, my back's really hurting. I don't think I'm gonna be able to snowboard this season. Actually, I hope that doesn't happen. My, my partner, Mariah, her dad's 60 years old. He'll still like beat me down the hill sometimes. So hopefully I'm not doing that, but I might. And then I might be like, you know what? It's time to pick up some fly fishing. So don't, don't stress yourself out about it too much. I would just pick things or, that you are interested in and go out and do it. And you might get to a point where you're like, this isn't that fun. Maybe I'm not passionate about it. But if you really haven't committed to it and stuck to it, drudged through that drudgery, then you really will never know if you were passionate about it or not. Awesome. Thank you. Because you just get stuck in a job and you're like, that's my identity. I was that person. That job title was me. And when you leave it and you start something else, and it's, it's wonderful to have a fresh slate. That's a gift. And I don't take that for granted. But... To have that and then be like, oh, I can be whatever. It's hard to say what, you know, and to your point of exploring. So it's really helpful. Thank you. You're welcome. If you've got like 10 ideas and you're like, these are the 10 ways I could change the world. Like if you can't pick one, like, just put them in a hat and like pull one out and like just start, you know? I mean, yeah. I know that's such a simple 
piece of advice, but that's what we do. And if you have no ideas, then figure out what pisses you off. <laughs> and, and a lot of the time, that'll point you in the right direction. Great. Thank you. Thanks. Awesome. All right, I don't see anyone lining up for the lightning round, so this is going to be... This will be a quick podcast. Yeah, you can spend more time on our questions. Yes, indeed. All right. Oh, there Hi. they go. There they are. Hello, fellas. Howdy. Uh, Hello. My name is Sean, and here's my... You're hired. Story. Okay. <laughs> we, I'm sorry. I we have two Seans with us here, and it's, they're both... Are you from I, Ohio? I, no, no, I'm, I'm from I'd Maine. like to rescind my offer. Yes, I, I, I spell it S-H-A-W-N, though. Does he spell it that way? Yeah, yeah, that's the only correct way to spell it. Yes, that's what I think. So my, my nickname is Dubs. They call me Dubs because <laughs> the W is... This is sort of the rare way to spell it, apparently, around these parts. So, um, anyway, here's my scenario. Uh, a couple of years ago, uh, I moved in. I live about four hours north of here. There, there is a north of here. Wow. Um, and uh, it's a little town called Caribou. And two years ago, yeah, Caribou. Uh, two years ago, I moved into a little 95 square foot camper that I parked on my parents' land. Wow. And in order to do that. Um, I had to get rid of a lot of stuff, obviously. Uh, I'm lucky that I have some storage options, so I have boxes of stuff that's, that's still waiting to be pared down, but I've gone through this process of paring down my stuff like systematically and getting less and less and less, and it's been, it's been great. It's been very successful, and um, I've enjoyed the process and the results. Um, but the, the problem is that I'm hitting this wall now because I get to my hobbies that I'm passionate about. And I've got these two in particular. So I love creating music, and that necessitates, uh, I've got guitars, I've got drums, I've got microphones, I've got mixers, you know, I've got wires. Um, and, but that music absolutely adds value to my life. It, it's my mental health, right? So, that's, so I, I stop there and I say, I'm not getting rid of that stuff because that's important to me. And then I have electronics. I love tinkering with electronics. And I, I, I build circuits. And, and I, so I've got microchips and I've got more wires, a lot of wires in my life. And, and I've got power supplies and boxes of things. And it's like, I'm going to need that someday to build a circuit. And, but that adds value to my life because I've been able to build my own like home automation for my camper. And I have a garden that's robotically controlled. And I have it all on my phone. And it's like, oh, so, look at me. I, so thank you. Thank you. Um, and I'm, I'm passionate about combining this organic lifestyle with this technology lifestyle and, and combining these two. And I, I've taken a page out of your book. And I've been blogging about all of this stuff. And it's going really well. Um, but again, the same thing. I have boxes of power supplies and boxes of this. And and it's like, I can't get rid of that. Mm. So I'm kind of hitting this wall and I'm telling myself that that stuff adds value to my life. Yes. So, so I can't get rid of it. But I'm also a recovering alcoholic who's very skilled at lying to himself. Yeah. So, so I'm hitting that wall. And like, well, let me, let me, let me, I just want to turn this yeah. to a bit of a conversation here. Why, why do you want to get rid of it? Well, I, I, I guess I'm, I'm getting that at a point where I think I don't need as much of it as I, as I, as I have. Like, uh -huh. So I say, like when I just said that, I was finding myself saying I have mixers, plural. I have microphones, plural. Yeah. Like maybe I don't need as many. Like I can pare that down. And I've done some of that, but I, I hit the wall and I think I can't get rid of that because I need it because it adds value. But how do I break through and say, no, I'm lying to myself. I don't need as much as I have. Yeah. So, so I believe in creative limitations. And I think mm. it's, it's, it's a spectrum or, or really I look at it as a pendulum, right? So there, you could be one, at one side where you have you know, uh, multiple mixer, mixers, mixing boards that you're not. I mean, you should see our, our really fancy podcast studio. It's a little machine about the size of this microphone and two microphones, right? It's a, a Zoom H6. And that's 
pretty much and and some you know a power cord that plugs into the wall and that's our our setup and we can pretty much take that anywhere and and what i've learned with these creative limitations is uh, sometimes it actually brings out the creativity in you by, by limiting what you have. I'll give you a few examples here. So uh, with respect to writing, because that's what I'm really passionate about, I, I used to have all these rules set up for me. I, I needed 15 different things before I ever started writing. So throughout, I, I spent most of my 20s as an aspiring writer, which means you just don't write very much. <laughs> But you aspire every damn day. <laughs> but uh, what I realized is I had this arbitrary list of rules. Like I have to have my cup of coffee, and I have to have my notepad and the correct pen. I need the red pen and the black pen. And then I need the appropriate writing program, but then I also keep a separate uh, notepad on the computer and a different program. And all of these things were, needed to happen. And then, oh crap, I forgot I need to do the laundry, and that needs to be done before I can start writing. And I... And all of a sudden, I'd have 13 of my 15 items checked off the list, and I'd have no more time left for writing. And what I found now is I have far, far fewer rules. I, I now I have one rule to start writing. I have to wake up. <laughs> That's my rule. I still haven't figured out how to like, write in my sleep yet. But if I do, then I'll have no rules. And, and my point is, that's the only rule I have now. It doesn't matter what the, you know, it, I don't care what, what you know, computer program Stephen King wrote to, used to write uh, a hit book. What you care about is the actual, the, the, the doing itself. Uh, one of my favorite musicians is David Gray, I'm sure many of you know him his 2000 album is called white ladder and you know he works in a beautiful studio he bought like a really gorgeous studio in, in london but the that album the one that is you know, a record-breaking smash hit was recorded in his bedroom and and the point behind that was sometimes you can capture the special thing that you lose when you don't have those same limitations. So what I would encourage you to do is possibly set up some of those limitations on yourself. It doesn't mean you have to instantly get rid of the stuff, but this is exactly what Ryan did with the packing party. It was a forced limitation. He didn't throw all the stuff out. He didn't rent a dumpster and, and chuck his stuff in it. What he did was just box it all up for a period of time and then brought back into his life the things he was certain he needed to, to live that life. And I think that can be true with hobbies or passions or anything else. I don't want you to deprive yourself of those things long term, but that short term deprivation might help you understand what actually does add value to your life and what is an imaginary value for your life. I don't really have a lot to add to that. That was really good, man. <laughs> but what, what, what I will give you a limitation that I have, and you can interpret this however you want, but I typically look at stuff, uh, if I haven't used it in the last 90 days, and I'm not gonna use it in the next 90 days, if I'm honest with myself, then I will typically get rid of it. Now, there are some exceptional things, like my snowboard, you know, I'm not gonna like go snowboarding in September or April, actually, you could probably go snowboarding in April in Montana. Actually, I did earlier this month, but anyway, <laughs> forget that. But what I'm saying is, is there might be an exceptional thing where I, I know I'm going to use it, maybe yours is a year. Maybe you look at it at those circuit boards and those cables and all those computer chips. Am I using this jargon right? Oh yeah, you're okay. doing good. Yeah. So like, may, maybe you look at that stuff and you're like, 
when's the last time, or how long have I had that? Oh, I've had that for like, you know, the, the last four years. Okay, okay. Am I going to use that in the next four years? Or am I going to use that in the next year? Whatever that rule is, like just make those rules and, and, and stick to it. So I, I don't know if that helps you out or not, man. But uh, also limiting like how many number of things you can hold on to. Because, I mean, really, you could build an infinite amount of computers. But the question is, is how many you're going to build over the next you know, year or so. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have enough parts to build two computers a year, whatever it may be. Again, like just trying to set those rules to help you uh, curate what, what you have. That's great. And not only is that all great, great advice from both of you, but like what I love is getting out of my own head because I asked this question and, and you're giving me the answer and I'm realizing that I'm actually on the way to doing this. Like I am recording in the camper with just the bare minimum, but what, what will fit in the camper? And so like I'm, I'm kind of, I'm already on that path, and it's like makes me realize that okay, I'm I'm doing well. I'm just keep doing it, just keep doing it. You Absolutely, know, pers persistence. Man. And you know so. what? I I'm not trying to be all doom and gloom here, but there's not an end to it, man. Like right. you're always going to have to be asking these questions. Right. You're always going to have to be sticking to these boundaries, and sometimes the boundaries will change, and that's okay. Right. I hope there's not an end. Yeah. I want to keep going. Yeah. Yeah, man. So and that's and that is kind of the beautiful thing is like there, it's like you look at a horizon, you head towards it, and then once you get to that horizon, there's another horizon ahead of you. Yeah. Great, thank you guys. Thanks, thank John. Howdy. Hi, um, my name's Sophie, and I'm guessing I probably should have read one of the books. In addition to watching there, there the documentary. There was pre-work. <laughs> yes. Oh, sorry, you can't ask a question then. So I'm, I'm totally hearing, kidding. like now I'm hearing the whole box it up, hold on to it, and then get rid of it theory. That's not what we did. And so <laughs> a couple weeks ago, my mister and I watched your documentary and we were like, whoa, this is awesome. And so it started like a week of like, let's get rid of all this crap. Like gone, goodwill, Great. people. I'm glad you didn't wait to read a book to, to start getting rid of stuff. <laughs> I figured you covered it in the movie. That's what everybody else does, so. But, um, but so then I forgot we were going on vacation, first vacation in forever, and we went to Miami. And so I packed everything I had left that was kind of remotely acceptable for 80 degree weather into a suitcase that I've actively gotten drunk in and fit in and just hoped it was under the weight limit so he didn't have to pay like the extra baggage charge. I don't really know what was in there. It was a lot of stuff. And so we get down there and we're in like actively like Miami, South Beach, where like where the people who have bowling alleys in their house are or people who like bedazzle their eyebrows. Like we saw so DJ much. DJ Khaled. Stuff. Yeah. We took a, a we like were, we were on this cruise and we saw uh, Mark Cuban's yacht which apparently is like a $300 million yacht, but it had like four baby yachts as if it was like reproducing, <laughs> like around it. And so like, I guess my question is not just to get up here and like tell you all the things I like totally messed up Did about you say your well Did you million? Thing. Yes. Man, that's a, that's a good start. I mean, you can't live on it, but it is a really, really good start. Well, you start on the baby yachts. <laughs> Um, but like when I was down there, I remember like he'd fallen asleep. He just had pizza delivered to us in beach chairs in South Beach because apparently that's what happens. And I was just sitting there in the only bathing suit I'd left myself feeling like a very, very, very white, just like, you know, like 
just like a little pot-bellied pig, looking around at all these people with bedazzled eyebrows and bowling alleys in their house. And like, what do you do when you feel like when you're like solid, committed minimalist, but you recognize in certain moments that you're still in a seriously consumer-driven environment, you get kind of bummed out? Because it is kind of competitive. And like that's kind of like all around you all the time, I guess is what I'm asking. So is it just because I'm a beginner? Is it just because I kind of suck at this still? <laughs> Will those moments go away where, where I'm like, no, I do need that blue mascara. Like, like I may only wear it once, but that one time will be great. <laughs> I, <laughs> The, the short answer to the, your question is is yes and no, and and so I'll try to I'll try to make that less. So you confusing. kept your blue mascara. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I mean the, the the truth is that will it get easier? Yeah. In time, any habit that you you know, it's like when you go to the gym for the first time and you work out really 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 hard, and then all of a sudden you're sore as hell for the next week. Like that's not a good feeling either, right? And I think the same thing can sometimes happen with minimalism. Like you can get someone who's who's just gung ho, really excited, and, and all of a sudden they're like, "Let's get rid of everything." And I think it's great because personally, I've never I've never regretted anything that I've ever gotten rid of. Um, but the truth is that I also realize if. I went, I mean, I said earlier, it took me eight months to, to pare down my life. I wish I would have done it sooner because I feel like I kind of wasted a bit of time doing it. But just because it does get easier over time, it doesn't mean you always absolutely love it. You know, I, I do exercise, I exercise every single day, whether it's going to the gym or physical therapy or yoga, and I don't always feel so inspired by it, right? I don't feel like, man, I'm really inspired to, to go to yoga today, but that's when I know I need, I need to go the most. Same thing with, with meditating or anything else. And so, I think ultimately, when it comes to, to any of that stuff, when I see the, the consumerism in the world around us, whether it's at a shopping mall or on, on South Beach, we were just there last year, we, we had a tour stop there. And I, I, I mean, it's, it, we'll often speak in the most unconventional places. We, uh, a few years ago, spoke in, in the largest mall in North America, in West Edmonton, Canada. And, and it's much better to speak there than at a Buddhist monastery, right? Because, I mean, what am I going to do? You guys have too many sandals. Um, no, I would rather put our message up against the, the message of, of consumerism. But even, even then, of course, I'm going to be tempted by it. There are marketers and demographers who make a quarter million, half a million dollars a year to aggregate my eyeballs effectively to their product or service. And so, yes, it's always going to be tempting, but if you build up these sort of mental musculature over time, it will become easier. Um, yeah, it's funny. I think about the $300 million yacht with its baby yachts. <laughs> and They're so cute. <laughs> it, I mean, even having a boat, I love to wakeboard. Like I haven't gone in forever um, since I lived like back in Ohio about five years ago, I guess it's going on. Um, but I, I've, I've like thought about like, man, maybe one day I can get like just a, you know, used like old wakeboarding boat. So I'm not even thinking about a yacht. I'm just thinking about like a wakeboarding boat. But thinking about 
having that makes me think about my dad and he had just like this really kind of little dinghy for all intents and purposes and it was such a pain in the neck like to upkeep um he used to always say uh boats stands for bring out another thousand <laughs> because he's constantly making repairs to it and then like when we would go on boat trips like he was he was i don't want to say he was never happy but like it was you know 50 percent happiness and then 50 percent like, you know, telling me to leave him alone and uh, he's trying to maneuver the boat and, you know, I'm like giving him wrong directions and he's like back in the boat and this, whatever. Like it wasn't, it was 50% good experience, 50% like not a very pleasurable experience. $300 million yacht is gonna cost you millions of dollars of upkeep every single year. Like you can't even, you, you can't upkeep that yourself. So, you know, for me, when I look at, even when we were in South Beach and driving by and looking at the houses, like I would think to myself, how many dining rooms do those houses have like maybe they have three dining rooms or four dining rooms you got to eat really fast <laughs> to eat in four dining rooms <laughs> if, i mean it's it, it to me um the excess it is it is depressing in a way because um it does kind of perpetuate itself but i i think we are starting to um, just get on the cusp of where, and, and you all being here is, is, is kind of proving this point of, we are getting on this cusp of realizing, I guarantee you, if I dropped a $300 million yacht in your lap right now. Please don't. <laughs> I mean, or anyone out there who thinks that they want that, they might be happy for a day or a year. Like it, there, there might be some ephemeral happiness, but that's just it. It's ephemeral. And you know, the rich people I meet, who maybe they have a lot of really nice, maybe they're not minimalist and they have a lot of really nice stuff. If they're happy, it's because they're happy with who they are. They're happy with the relationships they have in their life. They don't need all that stuff and the money to be happy. They're just happy people. Like you probably took all that stuff away and they would just find another way to make money because they would just still go, go through life being happy and doing what they needed to do to, uh, to, to continue that, that meaningful life. And I keep saying happy, but you know, I don't think happiness is the point anymore. When I was, when I was uh, in the corporate world, I would always like chase that happiness. And I would argue that I would get the happiness. So when I got that new car every two years, I just remember like every two years, like I'd get a new car and it was like, oh yeah, this car is awesome. But then I'd get that you know, first car payment and then that second car payment, and then it just, it, it was, uh, that happiness depreciated. So every time I got happiness, it was like, it was just, I had it, and then it was just kind of fleeting. And now, instead of focusing on happiness, I focus on living a meaningful life. And to me, what that means is my short-term actions aligning with my long-term values and beliefs. And the beautiful thing about pursuing a meaningful life is happiness is, is, is this beautiful byproduct that happens. So if, yes, if you keep it up, it will absolutely get easier. Uh, there's no doubt about it. But you know what? I'm gonna give you permission to go get blue mascara after the show. Go get it. <laughs> go get your blue mascara. I hey. kept that. Let's not, I mean, let's not be dramatic. Like, I'm not, I'm not an animal. Like. <laughs> uh, is Jessica Williams back there? <laughs> Jess. Oh, there you are. Would you mind grabbing me a copy of Essential? Thank you. So, so you didn't do your pre-work. No, no. So I'm, gonna, I'm always honest, though. I was always yeah, yeah. the kid who said I didn't do my homework, no, but I'm going to fake it. I, 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 I appreciate your honesty. Um, 
but I'm going to give you, I don't want to feel like I'm selling you one of our books because that's not what I'm, I'm here to do. By the way, they're for sale back there in the uh, lobby. <laughs> yeah, but uh, to be fair, the profits go to our favorite charity. It's uh, the Josh and Ryan Gas Fund to get back to Missoula. Uh, but no, I, I'd love to, uh, uh, everyone, ladies and gentlemen, Jessica Williams. If you follow us on uh, like Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or what else do the kids do these days? Yik Yak? I have no idea, dude. Do you follow us on Yik Yak? Um, <laughs> then uh, uh, it's Jess that, that manages all of that and she does such a phenomenal job. Jess, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Uh, I wanted to give you that book because there are some rules in there. There's a whole chapter on stuff. And, and and some basic rules. It really, so we wrote three different books. Uh, there's Everything That Remains, which is my favorite thing that I've ever written. It's a memoir about the five years of, of Ryan and I moving from these suit and tie corporate guys to minimalists. That's sort of the why to book. We wrote a book called Minimalism, Live a Meaningful Life. That's sort of the what to book. Like, what are the values in your life? And this is the more of a how to book. It's called Essential. It's an essay collection, 150 different essays. But in there is something called the 2020 rule. And your blue mascara fits into that possibly and, and what you I mentioned when I was talking earlier the three most dangerous words in the English language just in case I held on to so many things just in case it just I, I use that as justification to have hordes of stuff in my basement attic closets garage storage facility just in case I might need it and the truth is that I didn't need the vast majority of those. So I, let, I gave myself permission to let go of just in case because I realized I could replace any of those just in case items for less than $20 in less than 20 minutes. We call it the 2020 rule. Now you might say that's a, a rule of privilege. I don't want to have to spend $20 every single day on some just in case item. You'd have a good point if that was true. But I can tell you that within the last five years since Ryan and I have implemented that rule, we've used it five times between the two of us. And that rule has given me permission to let go of tens of thousands of other just in case items that I wasn't getting any other value from at all. So this is like minimalism for dummies. <laughs> no, Basically. no, but you should write that book. <laughs> other passions that end in board that I'm focusing on right now. I'm not a writer. Awesome. awesome. Thank you. I really Thank appreciate you. it, guys. Thanks for the Thank question. You. Hey, Ryan. You know what time it is? Oh, yeah. You know what time it is. It's time for our hashtag Ask the Minimalists lightning round. We are on, what is it, Twitter and Instagram at The Minimalists and Facebook.com slash The Minimalists. And we usually answer questions from there right now. People tweet us and, and Insta us. Is that a verb yet? Anyway, uh, but you're, you all are here. So if you want to give us a, a, a question, we will try to respond with a short, shareable, less than 140 character response. And uh, uh, I guess when Sean, when, when you actually post this up sometime, he'll put the, uh, our responses in the show notes. By the way, for people listening at home, if you have a comment or tip, for anyone today, uh, you can you can leave us a voicemail, 406-219-7839. We will air our favorite comments and tips on the next episode. You can also send a voice memo right from your phone to podcast at theminimalists.com, and we will air those comments and tips real soon. 
Howdy, what's your name? Hi, I'm Miranda. Um, thank you guys for coming to Portland. I hope we're showing you a good time. Uh, Blue Mascara is a tough act to follow. So, <laughs> um, so I have a parenting question. So Josh, I guess this is kind of aimed at you. Okay. Um, I have three kids, so I'm interested to know. Wait, kind of, of three kids? No, I have three kids. Oh, okay. I thought. Uh, um, I'm interested to know your answer. Um, you wrote everything that remains as a single childless bachelor yeah. and you now find yourself in a very different position you have a, for all intents and purposes a spouse and a child does minimalism look different to you now as a parent is it harder than you thought it would be or is it have you just continued the same paradigm adding these people to your life I'm thinking of my 140 characters right now. <laughs> I'm going to count every word. <laughs> Please do. Um, we got we got to keep it honest. Minimalism is more challenging as a family, but that's why it's more important. I like that one. Thank you. <laughs> By the way, you all are the judge there, so that applause was sort of the meter of, of so Ryan. It's not fair, I don't have kids. That's tweetable. <laughs> uh, let me think for a second. Let me think for a second. pass <laughs> you get that one oh, no. beautiful <laughs> hi guys I'm Kate um, okay. so glad you guys are here <laughs> I'm glad um, you're here thanks um, I've been following you for quite a while as you guys kind of alluded to Twitter I felt Facebook, someone's presence behind me. <laughs> Instagram TED talks the documentary um, Thank you. what is your favorite part like if you could only do one of them what's your favorite part of this journey you're on You want to go first? No. Okay. <laughs> all right, all right. By so. the way, we just turned this into a game like two shows ago. And ever since we've done that, like, it's, it's so much pressure now. <laughs> <laughs> well, usually what happens is we'll like, have the questions. It used to be fun, and then James, jo Josh gamified it. <laughs> uh, we, we usually have like a day to like, you know, type something out and, and make it, you know, turn some platitude into something meaningful. Um, but... Now you're just going to be stuck with some quick bromide. Um, all right. Uh, uh, I don't even remember the question now. I have stumped the minimalists. Oh I love it. Oh, my goodness. What's well, your favorite part of the day? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I got you. I got you. So uh, I'll give you an honest answer after I give you my, my tweetable answer. Um, As my life changes, that which adds value changes as well. That's, that's my pithy, shareable answer. And it's true, but, but uh, if I had to pick one thing, it would be writing narrative nonfiction, for sure. Um, man, 
I think I would. Uh, yeah, I'm. <laughs> uh, I would say. I, I, this is a suitable answer. It ain't that awesome, but I'll tell you. Uh, nothing makes me happier than living a well curated life. So uh, I'm just going to expound a little bit. There isn't a favorite part. Um, maybe I actually I still. Look, I'm, I'm going to redo this. There isn't a favorite part of minimalism. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's nothing makes me happier than living a, a, a well curated life. I mean, it's 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 all great. That's solid. You definitely get that one. Thanks, guys. Thanks for all you do. Hi, guys. You uh, mentioned Buddhism earlier, ironically. And do you guys feel any weird kinship with? Uh, monks or priests and vows of poverty and asceticism or do you guys feel any of that? Do you feel like you can connect with that idea? Do you feel closer to God? Oh, I got 140 characters for this one. Okay. Go for it. It doesn't matter what organized religion you belong to or what God you worship. They all want you to live a simple life. Mm. You, you mentioned asceticism, which for those of you who don't know what asceticism is, it's perpetual suffering to, I, I'm doing a, a bad job of, 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 of making it tweetable, but um, uh, dealing with pain with pain, basically. Um, and so my tweetable answer would be that minimalism is not about deprivation. Uh, minimalism is about aligning your short-term actions with your long-term values. Also, Ryan and I have different uh, religious and spiritual beliefs, so I, I can attest that that um, it, it really doesn't matter what your yeah. what your beliefs. That's are. why we never really talk about it. We would just be arguing all the time. <laughs> <laughs> hey, my name is Alex. Uh, I got a relatively objective one for you. Uh, what book are you reading right now? Mm, okay. <sighs> or what books are you reading right now? Uh, are, though, are minimalists allowed to read more than one book at a time? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I actually want to talk about the book I just finished, but I can't really tweet that. <laughs> well, I guess what I just... Right, we, 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 it's cool. We can just talk about what books we're reading right now. Go for it. Okay. Um, well, actually... There were uh, six people in line. Uh -huh. So we'll just talk about this. Sweet, more. Right. Okay. okay. Um, I just got done reading a book by Christopher Ryan, and I can never remember his co-author's name. I'm so sorry if she's listening to this right now. But it's called uh, Sex at Dawn. And it's, a, it's kind of an old book. Like, I want to say four or five years old. But it does an amazing job of talking about how sex has evolved essentially through our civilization. And the, the biggest point I got from it, which has nothing to do with sex, but the biggest point I got from it was um, when I think about, uh, oh man, I'm gonna try not to get like political. Um, when I think about certain things in life, I'll just say that. And I look at it going backwards, I guess. It's like I look at it as a de-evolution, as a devolving. De and this book talks about how 
evolution is not about, um, it's not about going forwards or backwards. It's simply survival. And for me, I don't know why, but like that one point like really, really helped me to feel okay with the way the world is. Because you know that saying like sometimes it has to get worse to get better. I mean, that, that is evolution, essentially. And evolution is about survival. Um, but if anyone is, uh, I don't know, like, um, if that sounds like it would pique anyone's interest, uh, it's just, it's really cool. They, they use a lot of just examples of, uh, you know, how sex is viewed um, in different parts of the world, how it was viewed in the past, why it is viewed the way it is now, why our society looks at it the way it is. And it's a real big eye opener. And it's not like, and it's not an eye opener in the sense of like, I, you know, I'm changing my morals or, uh, you know, it hasn't shifted my moral compass, but it's just interesting to see like why we're at where we're, where we're at today. Yeah, I agree. It's a great book. We're also, we're going to be on his podcast next week. We'll be out in LA doing some stuff. And, uh, um, he has a great podcast called, uh, tangentially speaking and um he's he's just he's a brilliant guy and he interviews really interesting people uh i about there's only one book that i go back well there's a few books i go back to regularly but uh there's one that i i, I tend to go back to quite a bit especially when we're preparing for a tour it's uh epictetus's discourses and so I've been reading that recently. Um, so for those of you who are familiar, I actually think the, the woman right before you mentioned maybe the Stoicism, or I mean, she mentioned ascetics, which is not unsimilar. Um, but uh, he, he's one of the Stoics, so a couple thousand years old. A lot of great traditional wisdom in, in the discourses. He's, he's my favorite of the Stoics. Uh, and also, I, my, my partner and I, we, we read to each other at night because she has a really... Actually, I read aloud to her because she has trouble getting to sleep. And so um, I want to help her be able to go to sleep. So um, what, we, we like to read fiction uh, at night I can't remember oh yes I can and I don't recommend this book to anyone <laughs> but I love it and so does she but you have to have a really twisted sense of humor to get into it so just the caveat it's called The Average American Male by Chad Culkin and um yeah, it's like, it's NC-17 for sure, but not because, well, yeah, because of that too. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, it's vulgar. It's like if you could, if you could get into, it, well, if you were to take a, a testosterone-filled 20-something-year-old male and project his id onto the pages of a main character of a book and all of his thoughts were just spilling onto the page it would sort of be like that so i don't know if that's helpful at all yes thank you thank you thanks all right we're back to the lightning round all right Hi guys, um, thank you for coming out to Portland. Um, I have a career question actually from my wonderful fiance in the back. Um, when you have kind of two career paths ahead of you that would both bring value to your life but kind of in different ways, how do you figure out which direction would kind of work with your life? Oh, let me 
me see if I can. I'm gonna. I'm gonna talk about. I'm gonna work this out aloud, and then I'll try to make it tweetable. Um, that might be a better strategy going forward. Um, sometimes there's a right path and a left path. Sometimes there's a right path and a wrong path. And sometimes there is a right path and no other path. And you need to figure out which one that you're trying to go down. And so for you, if there is a right path and a wrong path, take the right path. If there is a right path and a left path, then pick a path and go. I think that's tweetable. <laughs> um, the best recipe for discontent is being stuck in a career that doesn't align with your long-term values and beliefs. So I'm just gonna expound on that a little bit. Um, you said that both of them kind of align with the values and beliefs, but one of them does align more. So first get clear on what the values and beliefs are because that's so important. I mean, that is fundamental. If anyone is in here is like, I wanna start this minimalist journey, like start with that question of, you know, how might your life be better with less? Then get to your values and beliefs because that's really what I, I feel like people should be working towards. And if, if those aren't written down, then it's very hard to have a compass. Uh, if you have gone through this exercise, that's awesome. But you've got to ask yourself like, okay, is job A going to require me to be away from home more? Is job B, uh, oh no, job B is going to like allow me to be home at dinner for five o'clock. I mean, it's, it's going to be those small, that right now seem small, but in the future it's going to add up to a lot. So I, I doubt that they're both exactly aligned with the values and beliefs. There's going to be one that is going to stand out more than the other for sure. Hmm. All right, I've got a pithy thing for you. Um, Suffering lies at the precipice of indecision. <laughs> Thanks for the question. Thank you. Yeah. So besides uh, your opportunity to spread your message again here in Portland, Maine, um, what about your experience uh, this time has added value for you? Ryan has two words for you. <laughs> Burger bar. <laughs> I saw that over there. Is that a pretty awesome place? Yeah. yeah. Um, alcoholic milkshakes. <laughs> I know. I know that this is. Is this a tiebreaker? Are we yes. still? Are we still gamifying this? I don't know. It's. It feels like a tiebreaker. All right. <laughs> Maine, Portland, Maine. Let me. Let me. <clears throat> Portland, Maine has the best lobster roll I've ever had in my life. That would be disappointing if we didn't. <laughs> mm. Mm. Well, you got what? Some screams? Oh. <laughs> That's what you always say. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> There's a delayed laugh over the chest. Oh, <laughs> uh, what has added value to my life from Portland? I, we just got in here, man, which is really unfortunate. Um, oh, it's, it has definitely been the best weather of the tour, but um, <clears throat> I don't have a pithy thing, but I will tell you that it, um, it, to me, it really does feel like a, like a very big, small town, and, and I like that. You know, I, I, I find as we travel around the country, many of my favorite cities are, are towns that are large enough to have a lot of culture, but not large enough to sustain a major league football team or baseball team and, on their own. You know, we, we grew up in Dayton, Ohio, and you know there's there's no no sports there and and some of my favorite cities like tucson or salt lake city or portland maine or missoula montana or st petersburg florida and and i find that when we go to these places because they're not incredibly large there seems to be a lot of here we go i told you i'd get there portland maine has a shit ton of culture per capita. He also got screams. Thanks for the question, man. You can just set that microphone up here. Yeah, you can just set it, set it. Thank you. All right, y'all, before we wrap up, uh, two, a few other people I want to thank. First off, I, I want to, uh, is, is Mahalik anywhere around here? So there he is. Uh, Sean Mahalik, he is a very talented novelist. He, he works with, he's worked with us for a while. Uh, we actually met him on our very first tour uh, in Pittsburgh back in 2011. And uh, since then, he's, he's been out in Montana with us, and uh, he's done a great job. But if, uh, if you get a chance to, to read any fiction anytime soon, Sean Mahalik, look him up. Um, but uh, he's been helping us out. He'll be in the back as well. Uh, we have some books back there. Uh, in about 15 or 20 minutes, uh, we'll be back there as well. We, we tend to do a hug line. They're totally optional, by the way. Um, but they are free and transferable, so, so you can pick one up if you'd like. Uh, we also have books back there, and we'll do pictures and, and all that fun stuff as well. So let's give Sean a round of applause. Thanks for being with us, brother. And what about this venue, Port City Music Hall? Thank you so much for having us tonight. Yeah, thank you so much. And most important, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for, I know it costs some money to get into this because we have to pay for the space, we have to pay to travel here, but um, it really costs more than that. It costs your time and your attention. And we're really grateful that you're willing to give up a few hours of your time tonight and, and, and give us your time and your attention. Those are your two most precious resources. And if you leave here with just one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. We'll see you soon. Hey, real quick, before we get into those comments and tips from our listeners, a couple things that are going on right here, right now in the lives of the minimalists. I already 
talked about at the beginning of the podcast. We are on the road, 40 different cities, lessisnow.com. You can find the city closest to you. But also, Ryan and I are in the middle of building a podcast and film studio, and we could use your help. We refuse to clutter our podcast with advertisements, so we rely on people like you to help us create something meaningful. So if you want to see more meaningful audio and video creations this year, you can help us out. You can be part of the 1% of our audience who is supporting our work. Just go to theminimalists.com. You can click on donate at the top. You can either contribute one time via PayPal, or if you really want to to create something sustainable, you can do the Patreon account. So uh, we have a Patreon account that allows you to support us on a per episode basis. You don't have to support anyone else. And you can also cap that. So if Ryan and I go crazy and we start putting out 20 podcast episodes a month, you don't have to contribute to every episode. We really appreciate your support on that. And if you can't afford to support us monetarily, don't worry. We also have other ways to support us. So you can go over to iTunes and leave us a review. Obviously, we prefer a five-star review, but if you hate our guts, you can leave a one-star review. We'll be okay with that as well. But this month, May 2017, for every review that someone leaves, we'll donate $10 in your name to the Against Malaria Foundation. We're trying to save some lives. It takes about $3,500 to save one life. So for every 350 reviews we get this month, together we can save one life. Did you know that half the people who have ever lived have died from malaria? And we can help change that. We can do a little bit to help a few people in the world. So if you'd be willing to just take 60 seconds, pause the podcast, and leave a review on iTunes, we would greatly appreciate it. All right, y'all. Enjoy these comments and tips from our listeners. Hey, Josh and Ryan. Alicia from Australia. Uh, Just ring in because I, I was listening to your Pittsburgh podcast and there was a woman there who was asking a question about what to do with her uh, blanket that an aunt had given to her and um, it was covered with like photos of her as like growing up and as a child and she does not want to keep it Um, and I had a suggestion that she could donate it to an animal shelter Um, any blankets or you know old sheets or towels or bedding and stuff that people want to get rid of in in their minzing journey um animal shelters are a great option because obviously the animal's not going to care if there's a warm blanket with the picture of your face on it um they're just going to be grateful that they have something warm to snuggle up into and have a nice safe sleep so um don't forget the animals and that's always an option hi my name is Lori. i am from uh, raleigh north carolina i've been listening to your podcast for quite a while now i was listening to one recently um where um a young woman had called in asking a question um, her and her husband were trying to pay down some debt and she had just been laid off they were a young family it seemed and she had decided that she would stay home um the advice that was given um was in order for her to better pay down her debt was for her to get a job and while i understand the ramifications to that my concern is that I, I, I believe you guys may have missed the mark on that. The reasoning behind parents staying home a lot of times, 
and I, I know this from experience, I'm just speaking from my experience, is the stages at which you're a parent, they are fleeting and they're short. And a lot of times when people choose to stay home, they choose to stay home so they could be with their children during those stages usually the baby stage and the younger stages, sometimes older stages. But, you know, once that stage is gone, you can never get it back. So for me, staying home is, while it's a financial decision, it's also something that's bringing value to my life. Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Every little thing that you gotta have Every little thing that you gotta have You gotta reach for Gotta grab, oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it. So take your eyes away, or take. 